Hello and welcome back to the third episode in our new series of the Techstat podcast. Um, we apologise for the slight delay in between episodes caused unfortunately by a software error. However, I'm pleased to say that we're back with relevant content and some very well respected guests. Today I'm pleased to say that I'm joined by Jim Quinn and we'll be touching on a variety of different tech trends. There's only one thing left to do. Hello, Jim. Cameron, uh, thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm really looking forward to having an engaging conversation with you today. Uh, my name is Jim Quinn. I'm an executive managing director of a global uh, real estate firm, JLL. Uh, we focus on working with uh, major corporations and also technology companies on their technology portfolios, as well as real estate portfolios. And uh, we've been very active in, in this space. Amazing, amazing. Um, it's great to have you on here. Um, I'm really interested in kind of um, some of the, we'll, we'll touch on some of the the tech areas that you're looking at, um, specifically in real estate, um, and kind of the impact of technology on, on your sector, as well as other areas that you, you're working in over the next kind of decade. Um, I think the best place to start would be, uh, let's go for your book, um, Tech Trends 24-7. Um, could you just explain a little bit about what that covers. I know there's an array of kind of information in there, but what areas are you, you most specifically want to talk about today? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I've always kind of been at the forefront of technology and real estate. And then when COVID happened, uh, I thought it was a perfect time to write a book because I saw COVID-19 as a really a very strong accelerator of technology innovation as well as digital transformation. And it really, the book looks at that whole theme um, at a lot of different important areas like Office of the Future, smart mm. cities, corporate technology. Uh, and then what are the you know, key drivers like you know, digital twin and artificial intelligence? And uh, really how is it affecting not only our, our, you know, our, our, our business uh, life, but also our personal life as well. So it, it uh, you know, it's been uh, a great uh, project. I think that the timing of it was uh, very uh, good as well, because, you know, really, when you think about where we're coming out of the pandemic, our life has changed in so many areas. And really, technology has been the foundation of that. For sure, for sure. I don't think anyone can disagree with that at all. Um, I know you touched on there, the digital twin. Um, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so the digital twin uh, technology is, I think, very interesting because, you know, a lot of time you would have to do trial and error. Let's just, you know, speak of office buildings to begin with, you know, really to kind of get your heating and ventilation right. It was really kind of like everybody was coming into that office building. It was kind of a lab to do that, right? So if there was something a matter with the filtration system, Somebody would say, you know what, the air doesn't seem like it's, you know, whatever, stagnant or uh, from the, the, the heating and cooling, it wasn't right. So you would get a complaint. So now mm -hmm. with digital twin technology, you have a digital model of that building. So it's really every aspect of the building is in a computer model that you're constantly working on looking at weather patterns and electricity and in terms of maintenance issues. So it's really like a lab that you're totally experimenting in in the digital world. And you take all that data. And again, you also overlay now artificial intelligence to that mm -hmm. to very give you a very strong sen, uh, set of metrics 
on how you can operate that building, you know, the best that you can, as well as looking at, you know, really anticipating maintenance and security. So it's really kind of um, it's 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 ver- it's going to be very prevalent. It has started, and mm. it's even going to it's going to be at uh, really the forefront of buildings for the future, because now you have a, a way to really do some extensive modeling uh, digitally to improve the physical uh, plant of the building. That's incredible. I guess all of those things could be used to improve the sustainability of of the building as well, and and heat retention, all those kinds of things, which is really, really cool. I don't know if you um, are a big Formula One fan, but I am. Uh-huh. And um, Team Mercedes uh, has been using a digital twin, you know, kind of with their Formula One race cars over the last couple of years. And, you know, obviously that digital twin is, you know, a set of technology that's specific to Formula One. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they really have utilized that to come up with kind of what the best way they can position that car to win races. And as you, as we all know, they've been very successful over the years. So that's just one example that there'd be a set of technologies for that industry. And, you know, buildings, uh, there, there, there are a lot of di- digital twin tools that um, look for office buildings, as well as uh, the digital twin tools that really um, model uh, smart cities. So when you think about in that, we had a chapter in the book about smart cities, um, digital twins and internet of things combined are very important because if you have sensors in terms of where lights are, you know, at, at the night when they're going off, you want, you know, really kind of manage the electrical infrastructure of a city. You have sensors in every light to do that. Traffic mm-hmm. patterns, you know, uh, in terms of, what is the best plan in terms of how is trash, you know, removed from the city? Security. So it really you can go on and on, but mm-hmm. it's really um, very prevalent right now in key areas, and uh, it's only going to get, you know, a, a, a company uh, you probably have heard of, Nvidia, is also kind of right in the middle of helping cur- firms, uh, you know, create digital twins, and they worked uh, with BMW on really increasing the productivity of um, their um, assembly lines and how they were gonna assemble a car more efficiently and more cost effectively. So it really, you can run the gamut on it. And uh, it's it's a very interesting area for people to become a student of because it's gonna be a big part of everything that we do. For sure. I mean, data is is the new gold, right? data points on everything we collect everything and analyze everything so it's um yeah i can i can see the value there touching on smart cities a little bit further um i know there's a development called the line in saudi arabia and they're essentially creating a city that is it kind of exists within the layers that you live on top of each other is the only resources and facilities that you need Um, i know smart cities are based on this kind of everything's accessible within 15 kilometers um just how easy do you think that will be to implement I, I think it's, it's it's going to be a little challenging, but you know I, I think as the technology improves every year, they'll be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, think about the impact of it as well, right? It's just you know it's um, something that think about all the data set that you can take out from a city and to improve like you know like what's the status of the cleanliness of the air? 
Well, if you mm. had a tool to measure that and see, you know, what time of year it's 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 challenged or what's the best time of year, that can really help you. Where a smart city, you know, focus on a smart city, overlays into you improving the sustainability for your city, which is obviously at the fourth is a very big part of what every every city wants to do. In, in your kind of from your perspective, what are the main determinants of sustainability from a city? Are we talking about air quality? Are we talking about well, linking to that pollution? Um, accessibility to transport links, um, accessibility to to our kind of needs in terms of education, things like that. What what makes that tick? I I think all the areas that you just highlighted are a part of it. Mm-hmm. I think that also when you look at um, you know what is um, the carbon footprint of the city, right, and analyzing that. And, you know, I'll give you an example. In New York, they passed a law, it's called Local Law 97, where um, they are putting in penalties if landlords for office buildings and, you know, biotech buildings and industrial buildings in Manhattan, if they don't have a plan to reduce their carbon footprint as a building, then they're going to incur penalties. So now there's a whole sustainability plan and program. You know, uh, we have, you know, JLL has a sustainability group and we work with corporations and that's one aspect like, okay, what is your current carbon footprint uh, for you at the building? And then what are you doing to reduce that carbon footprint? Because nobody wants to, you know, face, you know, penalties going forward. So it's it's a planning exercise. And it's really kind of a combination of a landlord issue as well as a tenant issue, too, because if you are you're building out a 50,000 square foot corporate headquarters in, uh, you know, new development like Hudson Yards, there's a very good chance that a lot lot of that installation is going to be made from sustainable materials. Mm. And, you know, so it's another, you know, a key area where I think that. you're going to see more and more of it. And, uh, you know, it's kind of everybody's in the boat rolling in the right direction to kind of get there to reduce corporations, reduce their carbon footprint, as well as cities, um, because it's so important. How long do you think it would take for, for these smart cities to become carbon neutral or, or reach net zero? Kind of what what decade or what year are we looking at for that to be a realistic well, expectation? Uh, you know, I, it's kind of hard to really pin down a number, mm-hmm. but, you know, I, I think that you're going to see significant improvement over the next five to 10 years. I know you touched on it slightly before, but um, the future of the office, um, I know there's kind of lots of people are hybrid working now. Um, do you think that will that trend will continue or will there possibly be a reverse trend back to working more in offices? I know you're seeing that a lot with big tech companies right now. Yeah, I think that, you know, there's there's not one answer that fits all, Cameron. I mm-hmm. think that it really pivots on industry. So, you know, you've been seeing in, in the uh, in the paper that, um, you know, financial firms, you know, they, they believe that, you know, really uh, major financial firms that, you know, their workforce should be really uh, integrated, you know, working together, uh, it, it, you know, at 
you know, a building in New York or Chicago or Miami, you know, four or five days a week. And, you know, kind of, um, you know, that's really, you know, been the focus. But then you have technology companies that are like, well, you know, we, we think that we can survive and do very well as a remote organization. I think at the end of the day, a majority of firms will adopt a hybrid where you have um, a very good kind of uh, mix between, you know, some remote people, uh, some people that like, you know, think about it. If you're a young professional and, you know, you have a studio apartment in uh, Los Angeles, maybe you want to come into the office five days a week. But I think, you know, a lot of firms are really uh, at the end of the day will be, you know, two or three days a week. And, you know, during that time, I think collaboration as a team is important, as well as, um, you know, mentorship, because mm. um, you really can't do mentorship from a, a Zoom call. That's a quite interesting point, actually. And I, I kind of want to bring in the metaverse. I don't know how much you know about it. And this is not something we've pre-discussed at all. Um, what, what are your opinions on that in terms of meeting in a, in a virtual space rather than on platforms like Zoom? I, I think that um, it's a little too early, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of a really too, you know, too early to tell in terms of how significant the impact would be. But, you know, I, I think that with metaverse technology, it's only going to continue to get better. And, you know, everything is about, you know, in terms of recruiting for the war on talent and really, you know, creating the best collaborative culture as an organization. And if, meta, you know, in terms of metaverse can help that kind of employee experience as it continues to improve, I think you're going to see that it's part of it. But it's kind of hard because it's, it, it is right out of the gate. And, um, you know, I, I think that uh, it, it's difficult to really, you know, put a pin through on how big an impact that will be. But mm-hmm. I do think there's a place for it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Right now, um, the product is not good enough to, to to do that. And actually, I think, if anything, the pandemic has boosted people's um, motivation to get back in and work in person with with people or, or pursue a hybrid approach. If there's one tip to the real estate kind of listeners, is, it, is there one thing that you could offer them? Uh, I, I think that, um, you know, in terms of the one tip, um, it's, a, it's actually it's a good question. Um, I, I think that it's probably the tip is to really um, be flexible in terms of what you're doing. Right. Because, you know, uh, we've learned a lot over the, you know, during the, the pandemic period on what works and what doesn't work. And it's good to experiment with that because, you know, we tried actually um, somebody suggested, you know, kind of a different, you know, conferencing system and it got really good reviews. But, you know, that didn't work for us and it didn't really, you know, overlay well. And then, you know, we stopped it very quickly. And then, you know, so I I think being nimble um, and, and really looking at kind of the whole, you know, technology landscape. And one of the takeaways for the book was you know, every year now we're analyzing in terms of what we can be doing more efficiently and how do we leverage technology to do that? Um, And I think that's, um, it's kind of an annual assessment that we're going through because, you know, if you always want to be the head of the curve, because if you're not doing that, if you're not taking the inventory, you're not really becoming a student of, of technology innovation, you're going to be behind. And, you know, our our job is that we always want to be ahead of the curve. Okay, perfect. Um, I think that's that's 
summarized everything beautifully from from the digital working point of view. Just before we kind of wrap up, actually, I, I really wanted to touch on um, things that are personal to our guests. And, and for you, I think that would be um, the Beacon of Hope 365, um, a charity yes. utilizing technology. And I just wanted you to kind of I'll give you the floor to explain um, how you've utilized technology and, and what that charity is all about. Yeah, I love the opportunity to talk about it. When I was uh, researching the book, Cameron, you know, I was like, I was kind of blown away in terms of how technology was being utilized to improve improve people's lives and people in need. So um, during the pandemic, I started Beacon of Hope 365, and uh, we've been wor working very closely uh, and you might have heard of them because they're based in the UK is Open Bionics. Mm -hmm. Open Bionics uh, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a firm technology company in the UK that, that created the first 3D printed bionic arm and hand. It's called the Hero Arm. And if anybody is limb challenged, um, you, uh, it, it's, you know, it's like a scene out of Iron Man because you could throw a Frisbee you could brush your teeth. Um, and then, you know, one of the key people who's been really uh, Tilly Lockie, uh, she is an amazing young woman that when she was born, uh, unfortunately, uh, she had uh, a medical condition that she had to amputate both of her hands. And her, mo her mom is uh, Sarah and she, Sarah Lockley, and she is a phenomenal person. And she promised Tilly that she was going to be tirelessly and never give up until she found a replacement. Well, sure enough, she basically starts working with Open Biotics. She's on the foundation. We work very closely with her. And then um, they basically fitted her with two uh, hero arms and it changed her life. Um, she's somebody that is, is incredibly inspirational. So we work with uh, the Open Biotics Foundation to help you know, more uh, people get hero arms in, into them to help them. Uh, because I'll give you an example. There, there's uh, somebody we helped, his name was uh, Cameron. And um, he uh, was born without his right hand. And his uh, dad was a salesperson and he had, he had to move jobs all through around the UK. So just like, you know, with kids, they you know, see somebody and they have questions. And you know, that wasn't so easy for him. But now it's gone from having them questions. He has a hero arm. They're saying that's the coolest thing that they ever saw because he's, he's like bionic and it works and it's very cool because some of them now are, you know, you can, you can get the Iron Man version, you get the Star Wars version. So Incredible. it's really been a game. It's been a game changer for children and also all, all people in terms of making a difference. And we want to do more of that. And, you know, I think that, you know, I was excited, you know, to kind of the, my, the book led me to the charity and we're trying to really make a difference because it's it doesn't get talked about enough. I mean, there are great things about technology. Also, there are things that are not so good about technology, but this needs to be, a, you know, really in front of a lot of more people because it, it is making a, a meaningful difference. That's incredible. That is incredible. It's, it's great to hear that you can personalize them as well. Um, I think that's pe what people want, and um, it, I guess it stops the the stigma maybe attached or improves the confidence of people that, that want to have access to these products. Um, I'm sure they'll only get more intelligent with time, 
um, and the accessibility and the ease of use of each one will uh, will only improve as well. Um, so great, thank you so much for highlighting that. Um, I know a lot of our listeners will be in the UK and um, hopefully some of them will go and give it a Google afterwards. Um, it's been great. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast, Jim. We really, really appreciate it. Um, some great insights. And um, where can people find you after the podcast? Absolutely. Well, Cameron, I, I really uh, enjoyed the conversation. Uh, thank you again for having me on your podcast. Uh, the best, probably the way uh, to get me would be uh, Tech Trends 24 uh, seven. And, uh, you know, that, that has the book. It has kind of background on me. It talks about the charity. So that's a kind of a great way or you can hit me up on uh, LinkedIn. Those are the, the kind of two two ways. Amazing. We'll, we'll, we'll be sure to share it on, uh, on our promo stuff as well. Um, so yeah, thank you again and, uh, and all the best, Jim.